Welcome everyone to another episode of the Veterans and Ag Podcast, brought to you by AGD Consulting. I'm your host, Mike DeSop, and here we explore the stories and insights from the military veteran and supporter communities who are leading the way for vets in agribusiness, ag tech, and agripreneurship. We swap stories, talk ag, and show how the grassroots nature of the ag community can be a natural fit for the military veteran. This is the first episode in another multi-part series sponsored by Farmer Veteran Coalition, FVC, a national nonprofit organization mobilizing veterans to feed America and transition from military service to a career in agriculture. This series will showcase unique partnerships between FVC and several organizations offering programs and support for military veterans in agriculture. Our guests this week are Monica Range and Jeanette Lombardo. Monica is serving on the leadership team for the USDA's Section 22007 efforts of the Inflation Reduction Act to implement programs at the USDA, specifically the Discrimination Financial Assistance Program. Jeanette is the executive director of FVC, leading their Waco, Texas-based team in support of their 40,000-member organization across the United States. This episode is chock full of information about a forthcoming financial assistance program offered by the USDA, focused on farmers who have been discriminated against by the USDA's loan programs in the past. An unexpected turn of events, I know, but it showed me that even an organization as large as the USDA can admit when it needs to make right some of the wrongs of the past. While the application window and standards are still being finalized, you wanna have a listen before you apply to better understand the origins of this program and who the USDA considers an ideal candidate. Jeanette and Monica do an excellent job talking about what this program means to them and why the partnership was formed between the USDA and FVC. Stay tuned at the end where they describe recent scams out there perpetrated by law firms and others looking to take advantage of future applicants. Enjoy. My journey in agriculture started back, uh, I think, as a 4-H'er in high school and uh, really bloomed and blossomed over the years, um, majoring in agriculture, um, attending law school, and uh, getting a master's of law in agricultural law. But my work in agriculture started about 24 years ago as a farm advocate and organizing farmers and recognizing that many farmers faced challenges uh, trying to navigate through and utilize programs and services through the USDA. So my work as an agricultural lawyer and a mediator over the last 25 years is focused primarily on um, trying to level the playing field for all farmers out there. So I feel very privileged to have this opportunity now to work at the USDA and to lead a major initiative um, on helping to ensure that we can provide financial assistance to farmers who've been discriminated against by the USDA and farm lending programs. Do you have a particular instance or story or occurrence that um, highlighted for you that farmers were having challenges with these particular loan programs and or discrimination? Is there something that stands out to you? Well, I think um, my entry point to really understanding what these challenges were um, throughout my career started as a college intern. When I interned with the Federation of Southern Cooperatives, I was exposed to 
the stories of many farmers who attempted to get loans through the USDA and um, were not successful and uh, did not have a path to move forward and, and become successful. And many of them alleged that uh, there were barriers in their way um, and that um, they believed they had been discriminated by the USDA. Are, are there, does this sort of discrimination take a particular, uh, does it have a, a theme to it? For the purposes of this particular program, um, anyone can apply for this program if you believe that you have been discriminated against. So the program is a comprehensive neutral program. Anyone can apply. And so uh, once we introduce the program itself, we'll talk about um, in the application what the standards are for alleging um, discrimination. And so we, we are clear that this program is designed to be neutral. So anyone can apply if you believe you've been discriminated against. Yeah, I, I do want to dive into the details of this particular program. But before we go there, I want to give Jeanette an opportunity to introduce herself, um, the Farmer Veteran Coalition, and then we'll talk about the nexus between these two groups before we kind of dive into the program itself. So Jeanette, if you would please do um, the same thing Monica did, introduce yourself, tell us a little bit more about what you do. Sure. So my name is Jeanette Lombardo, and for the past three years, I've been leading the Farmer Veteran Coalition. Uh, we, are, we are headquartered here out of Waco, Texas. We have about 40,000 members across the country, and we help military personnel that are exiting or transitioning out of service into civilian life, either uh, get a career into the agricultural sector or to start their own farm and ranches. And I um, have been a, a banker, as you know, previously for about 24 years. Uh, so the discrimination that we're talking about in this particular program, the 22007, really is along the lines of protected classes, uh, which are, you know, any discrimination, uh, sex, religion, um, you know, gender, there's, there's, a whole, there's a whole list of them, which will be listed uh, here when we go through the application. And how, Jeanette, did you all at FVC originally or initially get connected to Monica and, the, and this particular discrimination program? How did you find out about it? Well, the Farmer Veteran Coalition has been a long-term partner with the USDA. And one of the reasons is that um, we got involved in this particular project is because um, our membership mirrors the military, which is very diverse. And we have a lot of the um, underserved or dis um, disadvantaged communities within our membership. Um, so we want to make sure that our farmers uh, get this information and have the opportunity to complete those claims. So uh, veterans, whether you're a veteran, whether you're a woman, you're disabled, you're a minority, there's so many different ways discrimination can happen. And sometimes in the agricultural lending, it could simply be the crop that you grow. It could be the region that you lived in was redlined. Whatever you mm -hmm. feel that discrimination uh, was or is, this is that chance to, uh, you know, to explore that barrier um, and, and seek financial assistance. 
Can you give us a background as to why the USDA is now focusing on uh, financing assistance towards folks who might have been discriminated by their lending practices or programs in the past? Yes, thank, thanks, Mike, for that question. Um, this particular financial assistance program uh, is one piece of a much broader effort at USDA to improve equity and access um, and eliminate barriers to, to its programs for underserved individuals and communities. As you know, Section 22007 um, is a financial assistance program that was created under the Inflation Reduction Act. And this was uh, enacted by Congress and USDA um, is currently implementing this legislation. Um, this program is particularly important because um, it is a major step towards creating a more equitable playing field for all farmers. But I think I have to reflect on uh, what Secretary Vilsack often says about this program. And that is that the funds are yet another step in the long march towards justice and a more inclusive USDA. Uh, what we believe is through this program, um, and because it is a neutral, comprehensive financial assistance program, it will allow the USDA to address some of the past wrongs and open up new avenues that provide farmers, ranchers, and forest landowners um, who have experienced discrimination by the USDA the opportunity to be heard. Back in March of this year, March 2023, the USDA announced through a press release what the structure of the program will be. And basically, um, the, the Inflation Reduction Act requires that this assistance be delivered to impacted producers by non-governmental program administrators. So those administrators okay. being directed by, um, by oversight from the USDA um, will put together a process to administer and review all applications. So there's essentially third parties that are going to come in from outside the USDA that will look at these particular applications and so that you don't have any conflict of interest there in some in some respects. Correct. Yes, the Inflation Reduction Act requires uh, USDA to select non-governmental entities to administer the program. Mm -hmm. And we have completed that process and we are now um, just finalizing plans with those chosen vendors uh, who were chosen through a procurement process mm. to serve as a national administrator and we have two regional hubs that will conduct outreach and process the applications for eligible farmers. Um, I will say uh, that the application process has not started or opened, but we do expect that that process uh, will be starting very soon. Can, can you share who these third-party vendors are at this point? Sure, sure. The vendors who will process the application include the Midtown Group, which will serve as the national administrator. The Windsor Group, which will serve as serve farmers in the Eastern regions of the US and analytic acquisitions, which will serve the Western regions. 
Okay. All three organizations have experience in professional services, supporting government contracts, and USDA programs. Okay. And so, Jeanette, FEC won't serve as a vendor in this particular program, but rather uh, an amplifier. We are a collaborator. Okay. Uh, so in that role, we do um, outreach uh, and education. And, um, and part of that education, I think we want to get across on this podcast, Mike, is there's a lot of scams out there right now uh, that are very concerning to me. Um, you do not need a lawyer to complete this process. And yet a lot of, we're seeing a lot of uh, legal counsel or other nonprofit groups having our members sign up um, where they'll be given a portion of any money received uh, for helping fill out the application. And the USDA has brought in the Farmer Veteran Coalition and many uh, other collaborators to help with this process. So I think we realize, you know, we need to stop that as, as quickly as possible so that, you know, these disadvantaged folks are not taken advantage yeah. of again and lose some of the money that they need to keep their operations, um, you know, moving forward. Yeah, so Jeanette, that, let me just put a- Go right ahead. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Yeah. I was just gonna put a finer point on that and just say that at the USDA, we are grateful to have organizations like Farmer Veteran Coalition. Um, and we also have uh, about six other cooperator organizations that we've identified because of their longstanding history, working with the USDA as a trusted partner, as well as their established networks um, across the country. So we recognize that not every Everyone is comfortable working with USDA, so our cooperator organizations will have an important role in providing outreach and technical assistance to their networks and in the communities they currently work in. So we identified Farmer Veter Veteran Coalition as an organization uh, that would be a really good fit uh, because of its strong network and ties to the USDA. And so they will be working on the front line to offer technical assistance to all individuals who need to um, fill out an application to receive this financial assistance. So I, I can't uh, underscore enough the importance of our partnerships with Farmer Veteran Coalition and other cooperators who from day one have provided careful guidance about how uh, about the program and we've received their feedback um, through listening sessions and comments. And we have taken that feedback and really been thoughtful about how to successfully implement this program so that we can maximize the participation across all groups. And that's what I was gonna say, Mike, that's perfectly said, Monica, because you know we have to realize that when you do outreach, for farmers, that that's really only 2% of the population, right? So in a way, it's sort of like finding a needle in a haystack, right? And then you look at, in some of our areas, um, they don't have internet or it's harvest time and they may not be looking at their emails. Uh, so we have to use multiple different uh, ways to reach our members and other farmers out there uh, to get them in 
um, and and have their their opportunity to complete this application uh, if they choose to. Monica, I know I know you can't share quite yet when the application will open. Can you give us a sense of maybe how long that application window will be open when it does open? We expect the application period to be open for uh, at least four months. The way that we are structuring the delivery of the program is that our regional hubs will um, establish a process for um, having physical locations throughout the country so that um, individuals can walk into those locations and get technical assistance from uh, the regional hubs. And those regional hubs are also partnering with other organizations who will assist with carrying out um, outreach events and providing technical assistance. As a reinforcement or a layering effect, uh, the USDA has its cooperator organizations such as Farmer Veteran Coalition who will be working side by side with us to ensure that we get the word out to everyone that everyone who wants to submit an application for this program has the opportunity to do that. So the other thing that the Farmer Veteran Coalition will be doing is sending out referrals through our call center. So you know our, our, our numbers uh, are, it's 855-FEC-FARM, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They can call our call center, not only if they need help with the application, it's, it's the information they need to put into the application. Or if they, if they have questions in regards to tax consequences because of the financial assistance, or they need help figuring out where to get documentation from, that's where our call center comes in handy because we can do a customized approach to help them find that information so they have a solid application going in. We also, our call center uses Language Line, which has over 240 different languages in it so that we can interpret for as well mm -hmm. as American Sign Language. So mm -hmm. that, you know, will remove any barriers for anyone uh, from whether it's an, an, a dialect that uh, is very limited, um, like we see with some of the Native American tribes, or we have all the, all the Pacific Asian, all the Native American, all the um, Latino, different Central America dialects. Everything is in their language line. There should be no barrier for anyone to complete an application. Hmm. It seems to me that there would, either for that call center, Jeanette, or the, the, st the staff that's working on it, or Monica for the other regional cooperators that are going to support this or the vendors, that they would need some type of training program to be able to help coach applicants through this process. How, Monica, is the USDA thinking about rolling out perhaps that kind of educational component pre or shortly after the window for application opens? Well, the educational component is going to be very important, and this will be a part of the, uh, the task of the administrator and the regional hubs to ensure that we, have, that we have folks working in this process who are well-trained and who understand um, what discrimination involves and how to best assist um, all of the applicants to accurately and completely um, finish their applications and get those submitted 
So that that educational process in many respects is occurring already. There just might yes, need to be some sort of nuance that occurs once that application is actually open and visible to the public. Absolutely. And okay. of course, um, you know, we're working with our cooperator organizations, most of which um, are working with us to make sure that the application um, is com complete and ready to roll for our launch date. Can you give me some examples of perhaps what you anticipate seeing or what you might expect to see in these applications that give it some real tangibility? So one of the things that uh, we thought a lot about in um, thinking about how we envision this program is to make sure that the application was, was simple enough for individuals to be able to complete the application on their own um, and that they were able to understand the application without having to hire an attorney. And I think yep. Jeanette mentioned yep. that already that um, with the application, you are, you are not required to seek the legal services of an attorney, but certainly if you need legal advice, we would encourage you to seek uh, legal advice from a trusted attorney. Um, but the assistance that we think is necessary is simply uh, technical assistance that will be free from our cooperators. It will be free from our regional hubs. And essentially, it will require you to establish any facts that you are um, claiming um, um, amount to discrimination. So again, I can't really go into any standards for the application at this time as those have not been released. But I will say that um, the purpose of the application is for each farmer, rancher, forest land owner to basically tell us their story and um, give a full factual picture of what happened and why they believe it was discrimination. So those those elements within their story will need to be supported perhaps through other documents or methods or means, correct? Yes, there will okay. be documentation requirements. Um, I think it, as in any application like this, if there is information available through documentation, the application will, will, will specifically ask for okay. um, that documentation. Okay. I, I had a, a, a conversation a couple of weeks ago with um, a wonderful woman, Nicole Kleegs Burns at the USDA Farm uh, Loan, Farm Service Agency, who she was a farm loan chief. And uh, their specific sort of goal and her job was uh, helping educate beginning farmers on different loan policies within the USDA for uh, for uh, early and beginning farmers kinds of focuses. Um, you know, they had some very specific criteria that um, she sort of described it as the lender of first and last resort, right? If they couldn't get it anywhere else or they had metrics that that um, you know they weren't able to meet before, then this was sort of the place that they could go. Um, in this program, the financial assistance is not necessarily addressing those 
let's say that that individual who applied for that program was denied for a very clear reason within the application process. Maybe they uh, could seek financing from another agency, but they chose to come here first. That's that's very clear. Um, those kinds of things are not what we're talking about here. That is not discrimination, correct? Correct. This program only um, applies to those who uh, were discriminated against in the farm lending program. So as you, as you uh, correctly pointed out in your example, there are many reasons why a person could be denied um, for a farm loan. Um, but this particular program applies to those who were denied because of discrimination. And that, that denial, it, 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 the eligibility for that is only for folks who have applied for loans from the USDA, right? They can't claim that discrimination through Bank of America or something like that, correct? So um, the applicants here who applied directly for a farm loan from the USDA can apply. Um, if you had, we have two major types of loans. We have direct loans and guaranteed loans. If you applied for a guaranteed loan, which was provided by a third party mm -hmm. lender, um, the only way that you can apply for this program is if the Discrimination Act occurred uh, by the USDA. So we, this program does not cover any discrimination acts by a third party lender. To the extent that you can, can you give us any insight into the kind of financial assistance successful applicants would be, would be receiving? Well, this has been a big question that we have received, and we have to refer back to the statute. The statute okay. says that financial assistance will be up to $500,000. Now, as you know, the legislation created this program and uh, $2.2 billion was provided. So when you think about each person receiving up to $500,000, $2.2 billion does not go far. Mm -hmm. So realistically speaking, um, you know, we, the administrators will evaluate um, the level of, of the applications um, received in this program and determinations about um, what the successful um, financial assistance amount is, uh, will be largely determined on by the number of applications that we receive. Okay. Does that financial assistance have to be used in connection to the case that they present? If, for example, they were discriminated um, against back in 2012 uh, because um, they... If they can prove that they were discriminated against in 2012 and they receive financial assistance in 2024, do they have to apply that assistance towards whatever that discrimination was, was connected to from 2012? Well, um, I think that may get into um, um, application standards, but okay. the purpose of the program um, right now is to establish that discrimination occurred. Yep. Once that um, is established, 
then the person is eligible for financial assistance. Um, this program is aimed to help those who are farming, uh, still farming, stay on the land and keep farming. Okay, so that's the ideal applicant here. Aside from one that can prove discrimination, these are farmers. Yes. Okay, and does the size of that operation play a factor? No. Okay. Does the tenure of which that applicant has been farming perhaps play a factor or their balance sheet no. over the last several years? No. No. The requirement okay. in this is that you experience discrimination prior to January 1, 2021. Mm -hmm. So this is not a compensation program. We are not evaluating um, um, profitability or, or tenure issues as it relates to um, um, values or losses. Got it. Okay. Monica, one thing sort of keeps standing out to me and listening to you describe this program is that there's clearly passion in it for you. I'm wondering where that, where that passion comes from. Why is this so important to you? Well, this is important to me because I have dedicated my entire life to uh, public interest law. And I, you know, back in 1996, I started organizing farmers who felt like they um, had not received the fair treatment from the USDA um, as it relates to farm loans. And um, so that became a passion of mine. And um, certainly I feel honored that I have the opportunity to now uh, be a part of a program that uh, provides justice for farmers, and it also provides just a, some assistance for those farmers to, um, to remain in farming and to have an opportunity to expand access to, um, to farm loans and other programs that the USDA offers. Yeah, it, it does sort of feel a bit sort of full circle at this point. You talk about that original passion sort of stemming from the mid to late 90s. When this became an initiative for the USDA, was it something where you raised your hand and said, hey, I want to be a part of this? Did you get selected? Like, how does that, how did that work for you to become involved in this? Well, you know, I, uh, as I said, I, I was appointed uh, Deputy Assistant Secretary for Civil Rights in February of 2021. And so I've been with uh, the USDA since that time. And I, I think we all just serve at the leisure of the secretary. And um, you know, there, the, the USDA is a huge department. And so um, I you know, just appreciate all of the different opportunities that I've had to support programs. And this is just another one of those programs that I, along with some other incredible leaders across USDA, um, have had a, had an opportunity to support. Got it. And Jeanette, why is this why is this so important to you and the Farmer Veteran Coalition? Well, I got to take care of my farmers. You know, my members. Uh, a lot. You know, there's discrimination. Doesn't have. You know, it doesn't stop at a certain group of people or a certain gender. It's it's just it's broad. It's broad. And so I want to make sure that. Um, if there's 
it's hard enough to be a farmer, I think. And, and my whole life, uh, I've been advocating for farming and dealing with regulation, trying to keep them in, in business so they can continue to feed the great people of this nation. And if they face discrimination, that makes it even harder for them. So if, if, if this will help some of them stay in business and continue to grow, to replace the farmers that are, are exiting the business, uh, whether it's through death, which seems to be uh, the number one reason for exit right now, or for financial reasons, if, it, if we can keep farmers farming, uh, that is what's important to me um, and, and, to my, and to my membership is really just taking them to the next level and helping them um, be successful, all farmers, whether it's urban farming, um, you know, organic, conventional, aquaponics, hydroponics, however, however our farmers feed the people of this country. If there's folks that are sure. listening from an organizational standpoint, and they say, gosh, we would really love to help amplify this message and be a part of it, either as a, a, a regional vendor or in some other way. Are there any, are there opportunities left to be able to do that? Yes. Uh, Secretary Vilsack has, has committed really to trying to get this money out the door by the end of 2023. So okay. we're going to need all hands on deck. Um, and, and certainly from the USDA side, we are continuing to look at, at additional cooperators um, who can help us get the word out to as many places as possible. The partners, uh, the vendors are still looking for partners um, who can assist. So we have actually put information on our website about how you can contact the vendors that I announced. And um, the website that you can find the most current information on now is www.farmers.gov slash 22007. So we have the most current contact information on that website. If you are an organization looking to be a part of assisting with this particular effort, please reach out to the hub organizations um, and let them know how you can help in this effort. Um, again, this is a, a big effort for the USDA and it's critically important that we get the word out to as many people as possible. Um, we believe that on, on a conservative level, we could be looking at about 50 to 80,000 80, applicants for this program. So we wanna make sure that each person um, who is eligible, uh, who had a farm loan with the USDA and experienced discrimination uh, before January 1, 2021, has the opportunity to apply for this program. As a final question, is there anything that we haven't talked about or that you haven't mentioned that you feel like we need to or we should have? Well, I think we've hit most of the high points for now, Mike. I think um, Jeanette plans to do a follow-up to this podcast once we launch the application, which will be a deeper dive into what is actually in the application, what is needed to apply for the program. And so 
I, I think uh, that will be a, a great next step for this audience. Um, again, I just want to just emphasize the importance of, of looking at that website for the most current and up-to-date information. And um, also, let me just touch on one thing that Jeanette mentioned earlier, which is false and misleading information. We have become aware that um, some folks are being solicited by lawyers and even non-lawyers to sign retainer agreements. And um, we want to once again say that you do not need, you're not required to have an attorney file your application. Um, we will have organizations such as Farmer Veteran, Veteran Coalition and other cooperators, as well as our regional um, hubs in locations that will be accessible and there will be uh, technical assistance providers there who can provide assistance to you um, there is no fee to file the application for this program or to receive the assistance um, to file your application. So if you are contacted by someone soliciting, uh, we ask that you not share any personal financial information with people you do not know. Um, and certainly if you believe that you have been the victim of fraud, we do have information on that website that you can call right away um, to report that to the Office of the Inspector General. Fantastic points. It's free, no need to lawyer up. There's folks out there that are going to help you get through this process without, without an attorney. Um, thank you so much, Monica, and uh, for also just trusting in, in, uh, in us to help amplify this message in some ways as well. So, sure. Um, Absolutely. Thank you all so much. Yeah, my pleasure. Jeanette, maybe last question to you. Is there anything that we haven't talked about from FEC's perspective uh, that you feel like we need to touch on? Um, no, the only thing I would, might add, Mike, is that if any of our partners out there would like to help us with this, you know, please reach out to our support email. And, uh, you know, I'd love to talk to you. So it's yeah. a support at farmvetco.org. And um, they'll they'll make sure the call center will make sure I get that. And uh, I'll reach out to you. Like uh, Monica said, we, it is all hands on deck. We There will be a short window, you know, four months that we need to get these applications in. So we need to um, help as many people as we can uh, through the process. With the requirement to deploy $2.2 billion by the end of 2023 towards this specific financial assistance program, the USDA will need all the help it can get. It was encouraging to me that FVC stepped up to the plate and offered to lend a hand, given most likely their longstanding relationship with the USDA. Training for the technical support agencies will be crucial, so I was glad to hear that that process, at least, was somewhat already underway. While the USDA is creating the standards by which discrimination is measured, third-party organizations outside the USDA will make final determinations on a case-by-case -case basis as to what is and what is not discrimination. With as many as 80,000 applicants expected to apply during the four-month window, you'll want to make sure your application is thorough and timely. It's free to apply. Let me say that again. It's free to apply, and you do not need any legal representation to fill out the application. Best of luck to those of you who choose to apply, 
and FEC will have their call center standing by to help with questions or details about the application process. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Vets and Ag podcast, brought to you by Farmer Veteran Coalition. If you enjoyed this episode and think other military veterans and supporters would benefit from these insights and stories, please leave us a review and share on social media. You can also find previous episodes and learn more about AGD Consulting by visiting our website. I'm your host, Mike Desa, and until next time, stay frosty.